Welcome to the Experts Podcast, where we take you behind the scenes of what it really means to be in the media. Featuring interviews with media stable experts and some of Australia's prominent media. We'll break down some of the myths, the fears, the skills and the knowledge needed to succeed in the media. The Experts Podcast is for the business owner, communicator, PR professional, leader of industry or anyone looking to develop their profile to be a recognised expert. The Experts Podcast is powered by Media Stable. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Experts Podcast. Pretty pumped for this one, Carmen Braidwood. Oh, I am because there's not one of us on this planet right now, I argue, who isn't in need of a little bit of support, whether it's in the virtual world or in the real world, to mind our P's and Q's. Mind our P's and Q's. And oh my God, when I'm just about to dive into the political uh, experience and knowledge uh, that our guest has... I think I'm going to be a little bit in awe. Yeah. I, and I know we're doing videoing this as well. So this is this is me. This is real. Uh, Louise Perry from the Louise Percy. Oh Percy. God. There you go. <laughs> he's now, made the first he's, mistake. He's already got me nervous. <laughs> got me nervous. Louise Percy from the Percy Institute. Welcome to the show. Thanks, Nick. Louise, wow. Wow. I mean, the people that you have worked with, the political people that you've worked with, mm-hmm. is going back to Goff uh, through the Prime Ministers. I mean, tell me, what was that like? Well, you know, I was in a, I was in my early 20s at the time, and so it was mind-blowing. You know, I sort of found myself coming back from Washington where I had 14 months at the embassy and going straight into Goff's office, and it was um, at the beginning of, of the really the, the unravelling, I suppose, of the Whitlam administration. We had Jim Cairns and the Junie Morosi affair. We had the Kemlani Loans affair uh, yeah. with um, the Minister for Minerals and Energy. We had... Uh, Paul Keating coming in as a young brash uh, member. Wow. I mean, they were just great times. God, just, just, just. I don't want to interrupt, but it, Paul Keating was one of my favourites. <laughs> okay, I'm fanboying here. <laughs> the the caliber of of your career, I mean, extends. You worked in the press office of Malcolm Fraser as well, yes. and all the time drawing on on uh, or building a career and an understanding around protocol. What what would you describe as being protocol? Well, I think protocol is really the rules which are, they are very much in place. So it doesn't matter whether you're talking about Prime Minister's offices and or where the flags are going to be if you're having a press conference, if you're talking about the Queen's visit, if you're talking about the royal family going to the Caribbean recently. Yeah. That's protocol. Okay. Etic- etiquette is different. It's a code of behaviour and the manners are really the the little bits and pieces that you put together. I'm a great believer of the that if you know the rules, you know when you can break the rules. Oh. You can't break the rules with protocol. I love <laughs> that. I love that. And and it's the same with media. When you know how to work with the media, the media cycle, how it operates, you can't really break it because you sort of know what's required of you, what's required of the media. Um, yeah. you, you're all on an equal standing. Um, Louise, what was it like to... To, as a young woman, as you said, that you know, working with such uh, characters, such uh, people, I, th- I, th- I suppose we've only ever re- ever hear about them or see them in books and what they did. 
what was it like? Well, it took me a long time actually to sort of lose the the awe yeah. because my late father was a very senior Royal Australian Naval officer mm-hmm. and so this whole concept of looking up to people who, who were your superiors, let alone a Prime Minister. Yeah. So it was a bit daunting but when I um, moved over to Malcolm Fraser's office, um, I remember doing, he used to do a weekly radio electorate broadcast and uh, one day they wanted to film it for whatever reason. I actually can't remember now. And I said, oh, PM, I think we need to put a comb through the hair. And he just <laughs> looked at me and he said, Louise, I don't care if they like me as long as they respect me. <laughs> and there's not a lot of respect these days. I mean, I'd love your version on modern politics because respect seems to have gone out the door. It has. And I think that's a I think that's a sad thing. I mean, when I was working in Canberra in you know in in these offices, it was in the old Parliament House, and we all knew each other. I mean, we'd get together. Didn't matter whether you're a Labor or Liberal staffer, you'd get together for a G and T when the House rose, you mm-hmm. know, in the evening, and so on and so forth. And obviously, I've been back to the new Parliament House a number of times, and and it's really just a divided place now and it seems such a shame. Do you think uh, that the experience of women in that place has maybe devolved since you were there? No, (laughs) but it used to be that what happened in Parliament House stayed in Parliament House Okay, and certainly uh, there was very much um, a time when, you know, if you were encouraged by a senior member of staff or let alone a minister to have dinner or whatever, you'd be terrified to say no. Right. But that's, that's a generation, you know, that's a, yes. an entire generation ago. And, and so I suppose, has it devolved? Um, no. It was always. It was always pretty ghastly. Okay. One of yeah. the, one of the, obviously the big changes that have happened over the years is technology mm-hmm. has, huh. has kicked in and I would imagine as a young staffer running around with the old traditional press release and, mm. you know, pushing it around into the pigeonholes, et cetera, no emails. I mean... That's exactly what it was like. Yeah. You know, it was taking... My immediate superior was David Barnett, who was a very seasoned journalist before he started working with Malcolm Fraser mm-hmm. and, uh, and, and still writes to this day. Um, but it was very much going down to the press gallery and putting the the embargoed press releases in the pigeonholes and occasionally if, you know, one of the journos had been writing really nice things about us, you know, he'd get it first and <laughs> so on. I mean, it, was, it was very like that. But, of course, you know, we didn't have we didn't have the 24-hour news cycle. We sure. didn't have the internet. We didn't have the leaks unless we wanted them to leak. Um, <laughs> Love that. <laughs> so then what do you make of the way politicians now will uh, use modern technology to get their message out? I think we would have been doing it back in our day if we could. Yeah. You know, I think it's just that is an evolution. And I think if, it, if it's used the right way, um, it's a very powerful tool. Isn't it? Mm. Look at what's happened with the Premier here in this state during the pandemic. What have you made of Mark McGowan and the state daddy concept and all of those things? I think it's been extraordinary. I wouldn't have believed it unless I'd seen it. I mean, we've never seen a Premier with approval ratings so high ever in this Mm. country. Mm -hmm. Um, Any politician would dream for that. Uh, But he also has, he also follows, I mean, the the social media and the, the 24 news cycle does pose issues for him, doesn't it? Because it is a very much a roller coaster ride. Well, necessarily. I mean, it used to be that you, you didn't worry about what was written because it was in a newspaper and it was wrapping fish and chips the next day. Yep. That doesn't happen now. 
yeah. you know, it stays there. Mm. And, you know, obviously people are going to trot out um, sound bites and, and that sort of thing, let alone image, vision, um, uh, if they want to, if it's going to work. It's just still there. If you were putting together the COVID update press conferences, <laughs> what would you have done with them? I think, personally, yeah. that they've done a pretty good job. Good to know. Um, I think they've done really a pretty good job. It's very difficult and um, not saying what we all wanted to know, which is what what is the health advice. Yeah. Um, to get away with that for such a long period of time, I think, is extraordinary. <laughs> so you admire the skill to dodge the question. Absolutely. <laughs> It, it, it was incredible, wasn't it? We, yeah. You know, the health advice. Yeah, sorry, can we see it? Where is it? Uh, it's yeah. just a, a, a one-liner that worked for such a long period of time. You started the Percy Institute. Mm-hmm. What, what does the Percy Institute do? Well, it's actually changed over the years. When I first started in 1992, it was the My Fair Lady School of Etiquette, which was beautifully kitsch and got me lots of publicity. And it was really just social etiquette yeah. and manners. Um, It evolved because I started getting um, government and corporate inquiries, so it became the Percy Institute of International Protocol. And I was really focusing on the corporates in those days. You know, I was doing all of the networking things that that one does to get one's name out there and and that sort of thing. And so I I left the social thing go a bit. Uh, I've pivoted back to that. There's that word for the COVID era. Uh, But I've pivoted back to it, and and very much so, because here we were locked in in Western Australia, Mm. and I could do person-to-person consultations, etc. So uh, I, I did. And there must be a need that you're there to address. So what are we all doing that has sparked your interest and desire to start coaching and etiquette again? Well, I think that we have all become so busy, mm. wrapped up in our screens, yeah. that there are there are so many younger people, and by younger people I'm, I'm talking 25 to 35, mm-hmm. um, who really are not comfortable talking face-to-face. And really what I see, uh, the understanding of etiquette is really just a a form of non-verbal communication in a way. You know, it's knowing what to do, who to introduce, all that sort of thing. But quite interestingly, even though I've been fully booked for all my programs for the last two years, now that I'm starting to offer Zoom consultations as well, I'm being killed in the rush because there are so many people out there that wanted to know what I, I was talking about, what I was consulting with or doing workshops with, yep. but they didn't want to come in person. Is it just How interesting. They just wanted to actually have that screen thing. And, yeah. and so one-on-one consultation via Zoom uh, – or, or groups or, or whatever it is, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's fascinating and, I, and completely unexpected. And I suppose, obviously, technology allowing mm-hmm. and growing with it, it makes it, it makes it easier to get access to you. But is that the way you like to do it? Because I could imagine, you know, being eye to eye and making that connection, building that relationship yes. is something that you would value. Well, I think it's really important. I mean, it's not just the way that you speak or what you're saying. It's the way that you, you, your body reacts, the way your eye contact reacts, yes. the way that you're able to see, you know, when we don't have a mask on, uh, people's overall facial expression. 
to yeah. see whether or not if they're getting enthused, they lean forward in their chair or or whatever it is. You know, there's a lot that you can read from somebody's body language, and you can't do that over Zoom, isn't it? Oh, it just, I get nervous all oh, the times, calms because I know. When, I'm hoping that I'm performing or at least <laughs> exactly. you know expressing my. We're in the habit on this podcast lately <laughs> of bringing in guests who make us want to do better. Let's put it that way, Louise. And I'm feeling I'm acutely aware of that. I just said to the girls out here in the office, "Oh well, look, they all commented on how nice my yellow." sunshiny dress was today. I said, well, it's because Louise Percy is coming in. <laughs> I felt like I needed to do better. You know, just by existing, by being an etiquette expert, by by being an expert on protocol, you're encouraging other people to do better. Do you see that around? I do. And it's really interesting. Um, great point, because I saw it in action. I every year have a Christmas soiree, a party um, at my home for all of my my guests, I don't refer to people as clients, but, but mm, guests, guests that have guests been, are yeah. been, been in the smaller masterclasses, etc. And it was just fascinating because some of them I hadn't seen for six months or so. And quite a lot of my guests all get to know each other at the end of a workshop or a masterclass and exchange numbers and, and then come in. But I was wandering around and I was listening to conversations, albeit whilst, whilst I was hostessing. And it was really great because a lot of these people that had come in lacking confidence, and that's basically what I teach. I mean, I, mm. I teach people to be more confident yep. by knowing the rules, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I felt so proud of them, you know. And <laughs> I, said, I said to so many, males and females, um, you've come such a long way. And I think what happened was I, I lit the spark and they ran off and turned it into a, into a flame. Oh, love that! I think it's a nice it's, thing, isn't it? And I love the fact that you refer to them as guests, not clients. Yeah. I think it's, and that's just even just the little finer details with everything. I want to ask you. I mean, Carmen sort of asked you about sort of current politicians mm. that, are, that are doing certain things, but are we are we more rude? Are we are we less? Um, I want to. I don't want to say comfortable. But are we mm. are we less tolerant? I suppose uh, of people that aren't showing respect or aren't showing the, the kind of, uh, uh, I, I'm struggling with my words here, they're not, they're not demonstrating a, a respect for the, the, either the title or the office that the person holds. Mm. Are, are we more like that these days? I think we are. Yeah. You know, I have to say, in my definition of, of etiquette is having the, the ability, the choice, the want to show respect and consideration for everybody with whom you come in contact. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think kindness is something that it's, it's one of those words but I think it's really important in this day and age where we're all being stretched whether it's by COVID or people getting really upset about what's happening in Europe at the moment or, or whatever it is let's just be a little bit kinder to each other yeah. and it was really interesting because I had a great chat last night on the plane coming back from Sydney I was fortunate enough to be seated in the pointy end <laughs> and so I, I had remember a, those days <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a great chat with one of the flight attendants and I said to her um, do you mind me asking are people being more or less rude now that they are behind masks and she said interestingly the people that would have been rude previously are still rude <laughs> the people that wouldn't have and would have had more respect for us assisting them in the aircraft have become more rude because they're doing it behind the mask. Wow. And the thing that people are getting upset about is um, 
you know, when you're travelling now, there aren't... Remember we used to have pillows and blankets and that yeah. sort of thing. You don't have that now. Yeah. You know, that's just not part of the part of the deal because of the COVID situation. Sure. And people are getting really irate about it. You know, we haven't travelled for two years and we expected to have the sort of experience that we remembered. And, oh, wow. You know, uh, you've changed it all for us. And uh, this, this lass that I was talking to last night, she just said it's really tough on us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, all you travellers out there, be nice. Be I'm on, nice a, I'm to on a flight tonight to Sydney. Um, yeah. I will be, I'll be wearing something a little warmer because be I do warmed. love, I do love my blanket. And, <laughs> and I, look, I, I love the airline stuff. I think it, you know, and it's wonderful that we're being able to reopen and do that. But it's interesting the mask. Mm. Has yeah. the mask gives them some sort of barrier, a bit like social media, where there's a bit of distance, a little bit of uh, anonymity. Yes. Yeah, hiding behind the keyboard. In this case, we're hiding behind the mask, and and we're just getting away with things we wouldn't normally. Even That's though their exactly boarding it. passes, their name, <laughs> yeah. who they are, what they do, and uh, you know, you you're on record in the plane. You've never been watched more, or your behaviour. Why would you do that? I, look, I, I don't know. I think I think Carmen's absolutely right here that, you know, it's it's putting up that barrier, be it a screen or a mask, that allows you to perhaps feel a little freer. You know, one of the examples that I see all the time of people feeling a little freer, and it doesn't matter whether these are politicians or captains of industry or, or whatever, is people leave their table manners down on the ground and when they get to 38,000 feet, they forget that other people are watching them eat. Yeah. Oh, right. So what have you seen? <laughs> oh, ghastly things. <laughs> I, I wouldn't imagine too many up at the pointy end, though, Louise. Oh, you would be surprised. Really? Um, no names, no pack drill, but, you know, and, and I was actually seated next to a quite well-known um, woman last night. She was on the – I was sort of in the, the two. It was sort of one, two, one configuration. Mm-hmm. And the shoes came off and the feet went up on the seat. And, oh. Oh. and I just sort of thought, oh, dear, you know, people can see you. Don't yeah, you? Okay. Don't do that. Let's have a little bit of respect for your fellow travellers. Yeah, and it, and it is respect, isn't it? Mm. At the end of the day, this is respect. Yeah, and, it, for, and for the flight attendants. Yeah. Yes. You know, they, they feel very sensitive when it's somebody who's well-known to say, Madam, would you please remove your feet from the seat? Yeah, that's right. That's an awkward situation, mm. isn't it? And, and these are skills that maybe my mother would have liked me to have had when she sent me along to grooming and deportment as a teenager. You know, and that was in the 90s. You know, are we not doing that stuff with our children anymore? I almost want to say daughters, but really it should be a universal oh, thing. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Look, there are some of the – I do work still with some of the schools. Yeah. Um, and depending on what's happening in the school holidays, I will run some courses. And yeah. I have a, a wonderful – uh, actually, my niece, who is a primary school teacher, so she sort of assists with the younger ones. And then I do have parents that will say, can we come and see you privately as a family? Yes. Uh, because sometimes, you know, the little darlings won't listen to mum and dad, but they'll certainly listen to fierce old me. Yeah. And so, but I do do it as a family if they want to, because I think it's really invaluable. It's difficult for the kids to go home and tell mummy that you're not eating your soup properly. Yeah. Yes. Or breaking your bread roll properly or whatever. So I, I do tend to, to um, teach, even if it's dining etiquette or table manners, to quite a formal level because you can then walk back. But it's daunting if you're going into, into a, an interview, let's say you're, you know, you're a graduate trying for a, a position in a legal firm and you're told that you're going to be going into the boardroom and having lunch with the, the yeah. other, the other uh, members of the firm, senior members of the firm, and you are daunted by holding a knife and fork. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's Definitely. Um, I, another example I, I think comes to mind is like tomorrow I've been booked to speak at a lunch and learn. 
And so what would you say are the etiquette considerations in that there'll be a speaker who's mm-hmm. paid to be there, uh, there'll be food served, you know, it, we should all feel like we can eat. But then if I was in that room watching, I'd feel like I couldn't eat in front of the speaker because I'd want to give them my undivided attention. Mm. And the other thing I've been asked is, what do I want to eat? I thought, I thought I'll eat afterwards when I get home. Yes. You know, yeah. isn't... Look, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, years and years ago, um, I was invited to be the keynote speaker at a very large International Women's Day function in Singapore. And it was a breakfast meeting and, you know, they, they provided me with breakfast and I thought, I have got a thousand eyes looking at me yeah. to see whether or not I'm going to have egg yolk dribble down my chin. <laughs> exactly. I'm not eating. So I just said, thank you so much, but I'm, I'm actually not eating while I'm, while that, I'm working that, today. All that coffee down the dress. Oh, look, honestly, it was just daunting. And for you as a speaker, Carmen, mm. people are going to be eating while you're yeah, so it's while a you're speaking. So new you consideration. just have to try and put it out of your mind. I think there's, okay. a, there's a really nice buzz of the cling and the clang of the <laughs> yeah. sort of the breakfast as someone's speaking. I think it. I, I think I haven't done too many of those kind of things, but there was just this sort of motion that sort of lets people know that you know, or the speaker know that someone. Yeah, there's a lot of people out there, but it just gives them that little bit of energy. I, but I, I would be, you know, if you're listening and wanting to show respect for the the, yeah. the actual speaker, probably eating's not the thing that you. Well, it's a doing. tough one, isn't it? If, you, if you've only got an hour and the food's being served, you've kind of got to get on with it. You, you know, do. these breakfast things, I, I see that. So I guess my question is, yeah, what what's what do we do? You know, what's the right answer? Well, <laughs> you know, you, you have to give your speech, you have to give your presentation, but what mm. I do do, a little, little trick, is I do say to the event organiser, would you please ask the hotel to not have the staff remove the plates that's a good tip. Good call. Because yep. that's actually really much more disconcerting than seeing people using a knife and fork or eating Isn't a bread it? roll or whatever it yep. is. Yeah. And I do say for the most part, most of us have that sense that it's not quite right to eat in front of the speaker or whatever. But if you're at an event that is called that, mm-hmm. then I guess you have to accept there's going to be that kind of awkwardness and maybe the presenter needs to even say hey I'm okay if you eat while I talk to you so that they feel safe. I think that's a great idea and apart from anything it means that you've immediately got their attention. Absolutely. Gosh I love this stuff. Now you've got my attention here Louise because as what Calm was just saying there that she was uh, went through a process of learning. I did. Etiquette. did. I don't know how much of it stuck, Nick. Well, but, no, you know. I, I think you, I think you're doing very well, Calm. You've got this far with it. But <laughs> is this something that we're just not investing in in the future? I think Calm's mentioned it. That you know, is it is it something we just don't do anymore? Is that a generational thing, or are we? And then when we are realizing that we need it, just coming onto it too late. And it can be really upsetting when you get put into a situation in which you feel really uncomfortable. If you're in a work environment, you're there to do the best job you can do in the work environment. You don't want to be thinking about these other things, you know. So if you've got that down pat so you don't have to think about it, it just actually works. Yeah. But in answer to your question, I think that there's a number of reasons why things like table manners and general conversational etiquette, etc., have gone by the board. And that is because in the dark old ages, families used to sit down and eat together. Yes. There was a, you know, the meal was not necessarily a takeout that 
only required a fork or fingers. You know, it tended to be, uh, not just when the mothers weren't working, but just mm. generally, uh, that you would sit down and you were told that you, if you didn't want to eat it, that's fine. You don't eat it, but there's no dessert. Yes. <laughs> I mean, it was Did that last days. night, Louise? <laughs> but the other that's thing good. is that it encouraged young people um, after the days of children should be seen and not heard, mm. it encouraged young people to know what general conversation was about, not to just be able to sort of grunt responses to their friends when they're talking about something that really they both know fully um, yeah. what what the understanding is, but to actually have conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have any tips for enge- engaging a child in conversation based on that? Because uh, it's clearly the way forward is to converse with our kids. But if you've got one as a bit unresponsive, it's pretty hard. It's very difficult. Yes. So I have been seeing my grandchildren and my step-grandson in Sydney. Step-grandson is gorgeous, but 14. Yeah, that's a tough This is age. a very difficult age <laughs> for getting conversation out. Um, other grandson is eight, just turned eight, and granddaughter of six. So when they come home from school and they're there and they say, Lulu, how's your day been? I don't ask them how their day's been. I actually tell them what I've been doing and then I say, so if you'd been me, which part of my day would have been the most interesting for you? Mm. That's clever. And then I go back and say to them, well, if that would have been interesting for you if, you know, in my position, what do you think would have been the most interesting thing that I would have done if I was in you at school today? Oh, wow. So what you're actually doing is you're really engaging them instead of saying, okay, so what was the best part of the day or did you like your lunch? Well, what did you learn today? Yeah, That's what, what I always <laughs> used to try. It was oh, God. a shocker. I think I just used two of those three there. <laughs> But I think, and that's actually teaching them communication skills. Yes. And yeah. empathy, and empathy, and I think that's a really big one too. Really, really powerful, I, and, and getting it? into their shoes, and also to respect. And I think sometimes other things like you know, don't stand over, get to their eye height. That's mm-hmm. an so eye level. That's that's an important one, and and also to stop what you're doing. Yes. Like, don't do it while you're on an electronic device and think, because you have mm. a crack at them for being on their devices all the time and not paying attention, and there you are, chapping yeah. away, hey, how was your day? Oh, yeah. Louise, you hinted at that before. Like, the fact is, a lot of us in our, in our late 30s and 40s and beyond, we're probably nursing a lot of very bad habits that we're passing on to our kids, aren't we? And I think one of the most important components in all of this is just having your antenna up. Yeah. Being aware, because when you're aware of what you're doing, you then become aware of the, the impact it's having on others, not just your children, but, sure. but others in your work colleagues or mm. or whatever it is. I think it's just having the antenna up to make sure you're the best version you can be of somebody that's communicating with somebody else. We're running out of time, but I, I want to have a the days back when you were working the, the media scene and journalists and coordinating the relationships, the connections, the news, the information. Um how do you see news today? How do you see the media today as uh, as an industry? Did it, has it is there much changes other than, other than obviously the technological changes and the platforms mm-hmm. that are there? Do you see the changes, significant changes? I do. Uh, the major change I've seen is that there the there used to be opinion editorial pieces, op-ed pieces, yep. you know, that had specific. Um, places in the newspaper I'm actually finding these days and I love reading the newspaper you know I'm still a news hound I, I've got to tell you you know I have the the radio on the TV on the going through the papers in the so mornings. good you can never lose it you never mm-hmm. lose it <laughs> but uh, I think that the actual reporting of news 
has changed. There seems to be opinion that comes into the reporting of news mm. and quite not just between, you know, maybe conservative or liberal news outlets or whatever, but I mean with the journalists. Yeah. And the other thing that, that I think, uh, going back to your question about respect, um, Nick, is that some of the, not talk back, but some of the, the people that we watch on TV that are having interviews with prime ministers or whatever it might be, in a new situation, the interruptions really annoy me. Let the person finish their point. Sure. And then come in and say, well, you know, can we move off on another tangent? But don't just talk over the top of them, particularly, mm. you know, whatever colour of the, the political spectrum you're on. These people are deserving of respect. People have elected them into into office. Let's let them finish what they're saying. Not if they're rambling on and, and well, that's what I was going to say. Freebie <laughs> in there. Well, I was just going to say that because <laughs> or tra- avoiding the question. Well, I, well the, the thing I wanted to ask was: Is do you think that the that the uh, politicians of the earlier day were actually responding uh, with less jargon, with less off direction? Actually, answering the question because I don't know many politicians today that actually are not uh, are actually answering the questions or not reading off the back of their mind the bullet mm. points that they came in to deliver, or that their media office has given them and told the entire cabinet that this is the line that we're taking. Sure, I mean you know if it's a major piece of policy, of course there's going to be you know a series of bullet points that you're going to try and get a- across to, to ensure that this policy is understood. Yeah, but I think these days it's much more scripted than that, and that's that's a shame. Yeah. Louise, you still take media interviews. You give wonderful interviews. Um, listeners to Peter Kennedy's mornings program will remember you from a regular segment then. What is it you love about those opportunities and what have they done for you over the years? I think I love the spontaneity of it. I much prefer radio to TV because with TV I'm always, you know, wondering how I'm looking and, and, and <laughs> like everybody, yeah? Yeah. But to do radio, I think you really engage with a person who's interviewing you mm. and I just find it a lot more relaxing and, uh, you know, I love listening to talkback radio myself and... Uh, Me too. It's yes. great, isn't it? Oh, I think it's oh. just wonderful. Who's your preferred uh, broadcaster? Am I allowed to say? You allowed to say. Go on. Okay, well, I I have actually changed allegiance a little bit because I love the reporting of Gareth Parker followed by Liam Barker. Oh, aren't they oh, both amazing? Oh, brings know, out the radio nerdiness. I think, that, I think that that is just an absolute classic combination mm-hmm. and they feed off each other. There's sense of humour there. But there are really good questions too. Yes. I, I love that you said that, Louise, because um, Gareth actually has uh, been interviewed by oh, us really? on the Experts podcast. I'm going to send it to you, Arthur, because it was literally a week after he took up the breakfast program. Oh. And it was – he was amazing then. But he it was, was still early days He then. was still fresh and, and, mm. and also pumped and excited, and he still is. I, I, I totally agree with you there. Um, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Gareth Parker and, and Liam. Um, Louise – if people want to get in contact with you, mm-hmm. if they want to find it, because I, I, what kind of clients do you work with today? I, I know you mentioned a few corporates. Who, who are you working with today? Um, large corporates, small small business people who are you know wanting to go in and pitch to to investors or whatever. My um, art of an elegant lifestyle and modern manners and etiquette uh, courses tend to be a demographic of mainly women, but some men age group from about 25 to 60. Right. So really across across the board. And uh, and then I also work with government departments. 
federal government departments. Those, Sounds great. Those in the 60s, are they, are they already done? Are they? Can you teach a... Well, do you know there's quite a number of people, <laughs> men and women in the 60s, who might have a change of lifestyle after divorce or something and they uh, want to know what's happening this yeah, day and, and age. Yeah, the thought I just had is I think it'd be a really fun thing for my sister and I to take mum to one time. Yeah. You know, we'd just have a bit of fun learning about how to put together an amazing dinner party and then go home and do that for each other. Well, they're, they're, the, they're the really fun things to do, Carmen. And yeah. I mean, I love it and I have a really amazing caterer and we have a fantastic lunch. So I always have a bit of flexibility in the finishing time because it depends on whether or not there's been one or two glasses of wine and how the chat's gone over the formal dining. I love it. Well, I would love to have a G&T with you after this <laughs> podcast because I reckon more people need to do that and bring it back together again like you did back in the day. I think that's awesome. Louise, thanks for joining us on the Experts Podcast. It's been a pleasure. Great Absolute fun. joy you. there, Carmen. Yeah, Louise, Percy, Percy Institute told you she'd be interesting. Yeah, and that's <laughs> and that's how we do get in contact with you. Uh, Percy at thepercyinstitute.com. Absolutely. Or the website, thepercyinstitute.com. Beautiful. Get me there too. Wonderful work. Well, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that, uh, Carms. In fact, I'm going to now mind my P's and Q's yeah. and I'm going to double check on uh, the way I'm talking to my children because <laughs> I've just realised the aftermath and the effect that I'm going to have on them uh, could be enormous. I oh, know. I'm wondering if it's too late to start on my 20-year-old. I'll, I'll report back. <laughs> All right. Good work. Well, thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. And we look forward to having your company next week when we talk to another media or another expert. You've been listening to The Experts Podcast, powered by Media Stable. If you'd like to get in contact with the team, head to mediastable.com.au.